God's beautiful, rich word in Ephesians. We've been uh, in together. And so last week, Pastor Cliff uh, took us through chapter 2 of Ephesians. And I got stuck in Ephesians chapter 2 again. And so there was a thought that, that jumped out at me. We're going to do some review this morning. But also there's a thought that jumped out at me that I want to just kind of land on today. And that thought is being seated uh, in, with Christ in heavenly places. And so we're going to look at that together this morning. But Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read. And if you have your Bible, you can read along. I, you know, I know that we live in a, in a day of iPhones and iPads. And, and I, I utilize those tools. If that's comfortable for you, that's awesome. But... I would encourage you as well to somewhere in your life, whether it's by your bed, whether it's something that you want to bring to church, uh, that there's somewhere that you're looking at a Bible that you can actually underline, mark things up. Uh, it's just a suggestion, but I think it's a great opportunity to uh, uh, just bring out the good old-fashioned paper Bible every once in a while in your life. And uh, so if you have your paper Bible, you can follow along, or if you have your phone, turn on your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, you can do that this morning. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 2. Looking together. And I'll read it. You can follow along. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Now, Paul paints a pretty bleak, dark picture here of how we used to be without Christ. But then verse 4, it's like he pops the clutch. He's in one gear, and then he just pops the clutch. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up together. And this is where I want you to underline or take note this morning. Here's where we're going to land. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding Riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. That word there, workmanship, we are his masterpiece, or it's even better understood, we are his poem. Isn't that beautiful? God is writing lyrics over your life. He's, he's taken time. He's, he's taken time with you and creating something beautiful. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence today. God, we love you, and we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it, it transforms us. It's living. It's active We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe on this time together. Lord, that we would not just hear the word and understand some concepts, but God, you would open up our hearts. You would give us revelation of who you are and what it means, Lord, to be with you and to walk with you and to be alive in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. You know, in our city of Calgary, we we have a few iconic buildings. We have the the Saddle Dome, and we have uh, a couple others, the Bow Tower, 
Uh, probably one of the most iconic buildings I would suggest in our city would be the Calgary Tower. Have, have, how many people have been to the Calgary Tower before? You've been up, up to the top. Uh, it's, it's a great building in our city because there's an opportunity as you go into the Calgary Tower to, uh, to get up to the viewing deck and look around. And I just love the, the glass floor they have in there now. And you can look right down on the city. You can look out as far as the eye can see to the Rockies and all the way to the north, the south, the east, the west. Fairly recently, um, our family decided to go to the Calgary Tower. We haven't been to the Calgary Tower yet since we've moved here. And so we went to celebrate a birthday. And so as we got to the Calgary Tower, we went up and the view is just breathtaking. It's, it's beautiful. And because we were celebrating a birthday, uh, we took the opportunity to celebrate and have a birthday dinner. Now, when we got into the restaurant area, they, they took us and they seated us in a beautiful table right by the window. How many know that window seats are great seats in restaurants? And from that vantage point, you could take in the city. You could see things from a different angle, a different perspective. You know, it matters where you're seated, especially in a restaurant with a view. Now, a number of years ago, Heather and I had uh, been told about a restaurant. We lived in the, in the Vancouver area, and there's a restaurant in White Rock, if you've ever been there before. It's called the Boathouse Restaurant. Great food. Everybody said great food, great views of the oceans. You got you to go to the Boathouse. And so I remember going one time and getting there, and it was packed. It was lined up, and we finally got into the restaurant, and the host said, well, we have one table for you, and it's right over there. And it was far away from the window. It was small, and it was, you know, how many people have sat in a restaurant? The table is by the bar. And the men's washroom. That's your view. I mean, it matters where you're seated. It makes, it makes a big difference. And um, how many people, uh, you know, have been on an airplane before? Most of us probably have been on a plane. I usually fly coach. Uh, because when you fly coach, what do you do? You, you go online. You get the cheapest ticket you can. Uh, and you want to get from A to B as fast as you can on, on the, the airplane. And it's always about saving money. So because you save money, you also get seated in the back of the plane. And uh, somebody said there's no class system in Canada. I disagree. (laughs) Have you been on Air Canada before? Uh, You know, they make you walk through first class. And if you've been on those international flights, you know what I'm talking about? You, You get on the plane and they make you walk through opulence. I mean, people have beds and blankets, and when you're in first class, they, you know, they, they bring you uh, food on real dishes. You have real cutlery. You have real food. <laughs> uh, you don't have TV dinners, and they give you hot cloths with, somebody has tongs, and they're, they would never want to touch that hot cloth with their germy hands. They give you tongs, and they, they pamper you, and... And they make you walk through first class just so you realize that your seat in the back of the bus is something, uh, you know, less than desirable. And in the back of coach, they usually have people coughing. Have you noticed this? (laughs) Babies are crying. People are caught. There's duct tape on the seat. There's people with pets and chicken coops in the back. It's unbelievable. Coach, it matters where you're seated. A friend of mine, we were flying... A couple years ago, and, and he's one of these guys with, uh, 
with airpoints, and he has all the elite status. And he has the opportunity, when he walks up to the counter, he is very uh, bumpable, let's say that. And because of his status and his air miles and his air points, I was in line with him, and they bumped us uh, to first class. And it is a whole different world in first class. It matters where you're seated. It matters where you're seated. This is something that I believe Paul, as he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he, there's this one line in, in verse 6 of chapter 2, and, the, and this grabbed me all week. And it's that we're seated. It, it, it matters that we're seated with Christ uh, because when we understand that we are seated with Christ, we, we actually get a different perspective, a different vantage point than when we don't understand where God has called us and where he's seated us. In the NIV, it says it like this, for he raised us from the dead. This is beautiful. So we've been resurrected with Christ. Think about that. Because Jesus rose from the grave, you and I are guaranteed that when we die in these bodies, that we are resurrected too. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will be with Jesus when this body passes away, when you are in Christ, when you've put your trust in Jesus. Because Jesus resurrected. You and I are resurrected from the dead, from the grave. It's beautiful. And he raised us. He raised us, you and me. Jesus did while he was at it, while he was resurrecting from the dead. He actually included you and me in the resurrection. He raised us from the dead. We used to be dead with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms So God seated us. He not only resurrected us when Jesus raised from the dead, he then seated us. He positioned us with Christ in the heavenly realms. This is where we are. This is our sphere. This is where God has placed us and where we are to to live from and to operate from. And we we read this and we just kind of, well, it's, it's nice. It's nice verbiage. It's kind of poetic. There's something to this. There's something that the Holy Spirit is wanting to to give, I believe, you and me and and us as a church, a a revelation of like we've never experienced before. And when we get a view of of how God sees things, when we get a view from where we're seated, it matters where we're seated. It matters even more who we're seated with. We get bumped, we get elevated, we get our minds and our spirits and our thinking begins to get elevated. We, we begin to see the scriptures differently, we begin to see our lives differently, we begin to see our problems differently. Rather than just being in, in the gutter and being in the, in the middle of the problem and lost in the weeds of life, which Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. And how many know that that is true? Everyone here, we have challenges and troubles. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is calling you and me and he's calling us up to a higher place from a higher vantage point. We begin to see things how Jesus sees things. We are seated with Christ. We're actually in the heavenlies. We're actually, uh, we're actually called to live a life in the Spirit. And these are more than just, you know, nice Bible verses and poetic language. And, and even for us to receive this as a concept, it's kind of like, how does that work? Like, how do I, how am I driving down the deer foot? And yet at the same time, I'm seated with Christ in heaven. How does that, how does that work? We, we don't even understand. It's a mystery. And, and there's obviously, there's metaphor. and there's, there's pictures here. 
and we kind of look at things literally, but friends, we need to understand that when we are on the Deerfoot and we're stuck in traffic, the view's a lot better from the Calgary Tower. When you're looking at Calgary and you're like, wow, what a beautiful city, shimmering buildings, beautiful sky, rocky mountains, and then you're in the middle of the Deerfoot and it's bumper-to-bumper traffic or there's even worse, there's tragic happenings in the city, crime, pain, homelessness, and you're in the, the guts of it all and that's all you see. But I believe God wants to, obviously he, he knows about those things and those things are, are not ignored by God and ignored by Jesus, but in the middle of our own lives, in the middle of our own pain, we can get so focused on the carnal, on where we are, on, on all these things, and I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to say, just come up here. I want to show you. I want to begin to show you your life from the place of position which I've called you. Ephesians is all about identity. It's about who we are in Christ, and it's about what God has done for us. And then about chapter 2, what God has done for us. We can't do it. He's done the heavy lifting. And then it's about what he's doing in us and through us. And he calls us to this higher place so that we can begin to see things the way Jesus sees things. Chapter 1, we looked at how Paul's prayer was, you know, God, open up the eyes of, of our hearts and that we could know you more. And he's praying, God, there's, he's, and this gushing continues where he's just like, there's so much good stuff in God. This is so good. This is so amazing. And he prays, oh, God, help us understand. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we could actually understand what this means that we've been saved and that we were dead and now that we're alive and we've been resurrected and we've been raised and, and now we're actually seated with Christ. I mean, we've been raised with Christ and we're seated with Christ and we're in relationship with Christ in a way that is so miraculous and life transforming when we really get a, a picture of this. My kids, when they were little, they would say things like, um, they would, we'd kind of have this little game and I would pick them up and they, they would say, they'd literally say, Daddy, I want to see how you see. In other words, I want you to pick me up and hold you right here on my hip so that my head is eye level. My eyes are eye level to your eyes. And they would be like, Dad, Dad, I want to see how you see. Pick me up. And so I picked them up, and they'd be like, oh, this is how you see the world. This is amazing. Because their little lives, when they were little toddlers, they, they lived their lives down here. And how many know a, toddler, a toddler's view is a lot different than six foot three? But if I could pull them up, Dad, now I can see how you see. Now, this is the invitation of the Spirit. He's calling us. He's saying, I want to show you how I see things. And when you're seated with Christ, you begin to see things from a different perspective. And as we're new people in Christ, part of the new you is that God gives you a new view. He gives you a new perspective. It matters where you're seated. It matters even more who you're seated with. And part of becoming new is that God gives you a new perspective on your challenges, your problems, on the reality of the world. He wants to show you who you really are. And the best way that we can really understand who we are is when we see, when we're seated, when we're in. It speaks of relationship. It speaks of proximity in God that you and I have. It's like, it's like we've been invited to a, uh, to a wedding. And on the invitation, it says, uh, you were invited to this wedding. It's an amazing wedding. Uh, and you were invited to sit at the head table. And it would be like us sometimes in our thinking where we would look at that and say, well, that's great. It's very nice, but I just, that can't be me. 
That can't be me that I've been in, I, I can actually sit at the head table. I'll go to the wedding and, and yeah, I'll go, but I'll, I'll get in line when everybody else is through the buffet and I'll get my plate and I'll take whatever crumbs are left over and I'll go find the janitor closet over here and I'll just find myself over here. And I'll just kind of, I, I couldn't be invited to be seated at the head table. And I believe God wants to just help shift our thinking. He wants to help us again just really understand who we are and give us a revelation of this. And so just by way of review, just real quickly, we're going to just look again at some of the contents of of two to give us a a framework this morning. And then I'm going to give us uh, three things. And they're going to go by so quickly, you're going to be amazed. Three points. Boom, boom, boom. You're going to be like, I'm out of here. I'm suntanning already. You're going to be amazed. So hang on. But here we go. We're going to look at some background. Paul, he starts off chapter two and he lays, lays out a pretty heavy background. We read it just in our text this morning. He says we're dead. He says, you were, you were dead. Before Christ, you were actually dead. And, and you were separated from God. James says that to be dead is to be separated from the body. And that's actually the definition of death. When you and I die, our spirit then is separated from our physical body. And in the same way, we are dead spiritually, where we are separated. Our spirit, before Christ and before the cross, we were lost and we were dead in our sin. We were separated spiritually. The prophet Isaiah says it like this, the hand of the Lord is is not short that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your sins have separated you from your God. So sin separates, and when that separation creates a spiritual death, and so Paul reminds us, hey guys, you were dead. Before Jesus, like he paints a pretty bleak, black picture. Not only were you dead, you were demonically influenced. He says you walked according to the ways of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, walking according to the lust of the flesh. And so it means before Christ that not only were we dead spiritually, but we, we were wandering around. The word walk there is, is translated as meander. It's like you're meandering. You're just roaming around and you're influenced demonically by the prince of the power of the air. And so people, whether they realize it or not, but outside of Christ, there, there's an influence, and it's the way of the world, and it's dead spiritually, and it's dark, and it is a demonic influence that comes against every person. But when you're in Christ, then, then you're brought into God's family. But not only that, it says he says that you're, by nature, objects of wrath. So it's pretty, pretty bleak outside of Christ. And Paul starts chapter 2 off just painting... A very real, bleak, dark. He's like, this is who you were. You were dead, demonically influenced, and you were were objects of wrath. You see, in order to really understand being saved, you actually have to understand what you're saved from. And in our culture, being saved is kind of, it's not really like a saved or salvation. Like, what am I being saved from? Like, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I'm nice to my neighbor. I, I, you know, I tip the person at the restaurant. Um, I do the best I can. And so in our Canadian culture, the idea of being saved, but we cannot truly understand this great salvation until we understand what we've been saved from. Friends, we were dead outside of Christ. We were, we were roaming and meandering around under demonic influence. We were objects of wrath. And then in verse 4 is where everything changes. This is where Paul pops the clutch and he pushes it into a whole other gear and he goes, but God... 
but God who is rich in mercy. How many are thankful for the mercy of God? It's just amazing. He's so merciful to us and so gracious. He took us from death to life. He took us from bondage to freedom. He took us from children of wrath now to be seated with Christ. Like, talk about contrast. You were children of wrath, objects of wrath, and now you're children of God seated with Christ. Like, it's incredible, this grace and mercy. And he raised us and he seated us with Christ. And this is beautiful, what God has done for us. And so we get a new view. We get a heavenly perspective. So let's, here's the three points. Let's get a view on things today. I feel like God wants to get us just a fresh view on a few things. Two views, and then the last view is something that we're just going to pray into as we close. The first one is a view of God's mercy. God wants to give you and me a fresh perspective as we're seated with Christ of his mercy, what his mercy means in our lives. And we can't really understand mercy until we understand, again, the, the background in which Paul says you were dead, you were you were demonically influenced. You were objects of wrath. This dark background, it, it, it sh- it, the, the light of what God has done, the jewel of what God has provided for us in salvation is so contrasted against who we used to be. How many guys in the room, you, um, you either are engaged or married? Raise your hand in the place. Engaged or married. Do you remember shopping for your wedding ring or your engagement ring? Every guy that you... You know, every store you go to, what do they do? They show you the diamond with a black velvet background or purple. Something deep and dark so that you can see the brightness and the clarity of the diamond. This is what Paul's doing. He's saying this is who you used to be. You used to be dead. But God, rich in mercy, has made you alive. God is rich in mercy. And because of this mercy... In view of this mercy, Paul says in Romans, he says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view, as you see, as you get a glimpse, as you actually get a revelation of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see, when we fully grasp God's mercy, then we want to offer our bodies to God. We want to worship him. And he's, he's rich in mercy. He's so wealthy in mercy. I'm so thankful for his mercy. How about you? Think about that for a moment. He is, he is rich in mercy. You know, a number of years ago, my wife worked for one of uh, Jim Pattison's companies. And uh, if you've never heard of Jim Pattison, he's one of the wealthiest men in Canada. And we had the opportunity, because she worked for this company, to attend a Christmas cruise on, on Jimmy's yacht in the harbor in Vancouver. And I'm telling you guys, it was pretty cool. Like, Heather and I, remember we first got married, we left our little basement suite, put $10 of gas in our car, our puttering car. We almost got there. On fumes, you know, just... Wore my best clothes from five years ago. And uh, we were invited onto this opulent yacht. It was beautiful. I think of the wealthiest person that you know. When there's, when there's wealth, there, you can almost just feel it in the air. There's, just, there's no lack. We walked on the yacht. There was food. There was endless, you know, there was gifts for us. Uh, in the bathroom, they even had three-ply toilet paper in the bathroom. Seriously. 
I mean, you know you're a big spender when, right? God is rich in mercy. Here's what mercy is. Mercy, mercy is not getting what you and I actually do deserve. Mercy would be like one of you coming to my house and, and robbing me of cash and jewelry and taking both of my vehicles, stealing them, and I chase you down with the police officer and the police officer finds you and he says, well, here's the culprit they stole from you and Mercy would say, you know what, I'm gonna drop the charges, just let them go. Give me my car back, give me my stuff back, just let them go. That's mercy, it's not getting what you do deserve. But then secondly, here's the second view, view of God's grace. Here's what grace is. Grace is, same scenario, you come to my house, you rob from me, I track you down with the police officer, not only do I let you go, I say, keep the car and keep the stuff. Because grace is actually more intense and more full and more incredible in the sense that it's actually getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Your, 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 your sin has separated you from God. And God's mercy, he says, I'm gonna let you off. But God's grace actually pours out so much blessing. You, don't even, you and I don't even deserve it. We could never earn it. We, it's, it's an incredible response. It's like the father in the, in the, in, who whose son went off in rebellion. The other one was trapped in religion, but he, when, the, when the rebellious son came back, he, he provided a party and he, he poured over, he, he restored him with a ring and a robe and sandals on his feet and he ran to him and he kissed him. And, and, and it's, it's a radical gushing of what you don't deserve. You just, it's just, here's everything. And this is God's grace and God's mercy. And it gives us a view. When we're seated with Christ, we see God's mercy. We see God's grace. His grace is his unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. By grace, you have been saved. Do you know that this is so beautiful? I don't know if you can put that, uh, that verse up. Verse 8, maybe I don't, there it is. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Look at this. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. You know what this shows us is that God's grace is a gift to us. And watch this, God's faith. Faith is a gift to you and me. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn it. God has even given you and me the faith to believe. What an amazing God he is. Isn't that that amazing? I can't can't take any credit. Well, I'm saved because I had enough faith. No, you didn't. I'm saved because I'm, I, I you know, I'm a good person. I, can do, you know, I, I give to charity and every year. No, you can't earn it. In view of God's mercy, he didn't give me what I deserved. I was an object of wrath. In view of God's grace, he gave me more than I deserved. He gave me even the faith and the grace together to know him. And when we're seated with Christ, we see clearly this view. We are saved. And finally this morning, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. We need a view of, we need a view from the heavenly places. Now, that we're raised up together. He's made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. As I was preparing this week, I'm like, Lord, how, like this is, how do we, how do you wrap your mind around this? And then, I don't think you can. I think this part is the part that only God can do in us.
This part is the, is the part that we need revelation for in our lives. Where we begin to see our lives from God's perspective, from a heavenly realm. And we need God to open the eyes of our heart. We need to come up under that prayer again in chapter 1 where Paul says, Oh God, just give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would know you more. And that we would begin to see ourselves leading and ruling and reigning with Christ here and now. It's not just to come. Did you know that one day in Christ you're going to rule and reign with Jesus? Isn't that amazing? For eternity. Wow, what an amazing thing that he has called us in him. And he has jobs for us. It says that he's prepared good works in advance that we would walk in them. God has some amazing things in store for you and me as we've become his children. It's so exciting. I can't wait for the millennial reign. I can't wait for everything that God has. I don't know what I'm going to be ruling or reigning. I don't know if I'm going to be ruling or reigning different countries in the earth or different cities or, you know, different. Maybe there's, maybe there's other universes or planets. I don't know. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say one way or another. I don't know what God has. We can't contain God. We can't understand God in our infinite minds. But he has called, he's going to rule and reign, and he's, he has a purpose for us. But friends, it's not just in the future tense. It's actually you are already in the present tense. You and I are seated with Christ now. And so we can look at our situations differently. We can call things that are not as though they are. We can, we can walk through challenges and sickness and we can say, God, give me your perspective. I've just been praying this week. God, give me your vantage point in this situation. Oh, this is tough. This is hard, God. Help me now to see myself seated with Christ now. What does that look like now? I want to see how you see things. And not only are we resurrected, but we are raised and we are seated with Jesus. Isn't this beautiful? Jesus resurrected us when he resurrected from the the grave, but he also seated us with him. So beautiful. In John chapter 11 is where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Do you remember this? Some of you have read this in the Bible or you've heard of this story before, but Jesus raises a dead man. He's in the grave. He, he come up, comes out. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out and he's in grave clothes. And everybody's like, wow, that guy was dead. He was dead, dead, dead. And now he's alive. And Jesus, you know, his power raised him from the dead. It's, it's amazing. And so that's a picture of how you and I have been resurrected with Christ through his power. But then we see in John chapter 12 that there's a chapter later, we, we read in John's gospel, there's a dinner. And there's a dinner that's being hosted for, for Jesus. And it's in his honor. And there's people at this dinner. And it says that one of the people that were at the dinner was Lazarus. And it says that, you know where, where he was at the dinner? He was reclining at the table. He was seated with Jesus at the table. So not only have we been raised, we've been, or resurrected, we've been raised and seated with Christ. Not just resurrected, but raised and seated. Can you imagine all the people around Lazarus that day? Like just, what's going on? This is amazing. You're, you were dead. Like, tell us, what's it like to be dead? Can you imagine the conversations? Everybody at that dinner, oh, there's the guy who used to be dead. And he's seated with Jesus, and they're like, wow. Can you imagine what was happening? I mean, maybe media was there, CNN, CBC. People are on Twitter tweeting things out. Dead, hashtag dead guys alive. This is amazing. 
you know, make Jerusalem great again. I don't know, whatever. They're tweeting out all over the place. This is exciting. This is, and this is a picture of you and me, how we've been resurrected with Christ and then he's raised us and we're seated with him. And this morning, I simply just want to give us an opportunity. I want to if you would stand and we're going to pray. I want to pray over you and here's how we're going to conclude. We're going to conclude this, this morning by asking God to open the eyes of our heart. To give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would, as we walk through life, no matter what you're walking through today, that God would actually supernaturally begin to give you his perspective. That you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He's lo- he loves you so much. He's taking you from darkness to light. He's taking you from death to life. He's taking you from objects of wrath to children who are seated in his presence. You know, we talked about the adoption of God and how he adopted us as sons and daughters. Isn't that amazing? To think that we're children of God. You know, here at the church, I have an office, and it's just right over on this side of the building. And in my office, um, we have regular meetings with staff and different ones come in, but there's a whiteboard, there's a, a high desk. There's a, a chair that spins around. There's drawers with supplies and a few things. And it's very common for our staff to be in there, but on Sundays, it's a little bit different. And um, especially my younger kids, they, uh, they often find their way into my office between services, after church. And so often I'll come in and uh, my office is not my regular office Monday to Friday. It's turned into a different zone on Sundays. Uh, usually my girls are playing on the whiteboard. They're playing hangman or tic-tac-toe. They didn't ask. They just started playing. Uh, I've noticed sometimes there are snacks missing from my drawer. There are granola bar wrappers all over the place. They just found the granola bars. They didn't ask. They just came in and, uh, you know, there's my chair. You can spin around. You know, you can even give each other rides. If you want to come after church, I'll give you rides. I'd be happy to give you rides on my chair. It's fun. You spin around. Somebody sits there and the other person spins and you spin around. So I walk into my office when my kids are there. It's like, hey, Dad, we're out of markers. We just helped ourselves to the new markers. Great. We just had some granola bars. No problem. Um, How many know that's not going to go down very well Monday to Friday with my staff? I'm not going to see my staff on Monday, Tuesday. You know, they're not going to be coming in just helping themselves to my office. And, but my children have a concept that they're in relationship. They're in proximity. They're actually seated with me in essence. They, are, they know so much that my invitation has been to invite them in through relationship. They know who they are. They know their children. They're, they're not colleagues. They're not friends. They're, they're actually family. And when you you and I get a glimpse that we've been resurrected and raised and established in Christ as his family, as adopted sons and daughters, 
and that we are actually from that vantage point. We're seeing everything now. We're not seeing ourselves as the beggars who are in the bad table in the corner and hoping that we could somehow one day attain something. We're not neighbors of Christ. We're not, we're not acquaintances of Christ. We're not on the outskirts, on the outside. You have been raised and you have been seated with Christ Jesus as his family. And when God the Father looks at Jesus, he sees Jesus Christ, his son, and he sees you and me bought by the blood of Jesus and and grafted into the family, and we are brought in. When God the Father sees you and me, he loves us because of his son, Jesus. We are his family. We are his body. It's incredible. It's incredible what God has called us to. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to just break things off our thinking, our limited thinking, mentalities that have held us back. Maybe there's people here this morning, you've been walking, there's been depression, it's been anxiety, it's been a cloudiness over your mind. And you, you know that God loves you. And you know, yeah, you know that God, but you're not sure God likes you. You know that, that God's died for your sins, but you're not sure that you've been invited in as a son or as a daughter. You've been seeing things in the weeds. You've been living your life just looking. But today, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to literally lift you up from where you are and give you a perspective you've never seen, that you are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. From that place, the kingdom of God is here and now. Sick is made well. Uh, There's wholeness and healing. There's health in marriages and relationships. And I believe that God wants to give you a perspective. And part of part of it, some people have been walking through some challenging things, and I even sense right now relationally. There's been relational breakdown. It's because you've been looking at earthly things. You've been looking at it from the vantage point of just down here in the corner table, and this morning, God wants to heal you and raise you up to a place to give you perspective, to give you the power, to give you the opportunity to begin to actually operate and walk in the place that you've already been called. And so this morning, I'm, I want us to move this service into a, a prayer room. And so I'm going to dismiss officially in a moment. But I, I want us to just move this place into a prayer room. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. And if you're here on the prayer team, if you would come at this point, and, and uh, staff and pastors as well, you can join us at the front just to be a prayer team. And we want to pray for those this morning that need breakthrough in their lives. You might be here today and you... Today's your day also just to say yes to Jesus, to make him the Lord of your life. You're not a Christian, but today you want to become a Christian. Even in your heart right now, you can just begin to say, God, I want you to forgive me of my sin. And he'll hear that prayer. He'll hear that cry. Why don't you come and receive prayer this morning as well and let somebody pray with you. But others this morning, there might be just some need that you have. Maybe there are some things that in your mind, this is kind of the picture that I had, in your mind and in your thinking, there's there's a cloudiness, there's a, uh, some of you, I used to live at a certain level of faith, but now there's more skepticism, there's more doubt, there's more cynicism, and I feel like the Lord's just saying, I want to break that off of my people so that they can begin to operate in a place of understanding their position in Christ. Understanding their position, that they're sons, they're daughters, they're elevated, seated in the heavenlies with Christ. And from that place, you can live in an authority that you've never lived in. You can begin to call things that are not as though they are. I believe you God to begin to give you secrets and show you ways that you can begin to get revelation for answers. Maybe you're stuck in your business. Maybe you're stuck in a relationship. Maybe you're stuck in different situations. And the Holy Spirit wants to elevate you and show you. And you're going to be like, oh, now I see. Open the eyes of my heart. Give us, O God, the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know you more.
Father, I pray for those today that need to go and we pray, God, your blessing and your favor. And Lord, as we go from this place, God, we go in the authority of Jesus' name. We go positioned in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you've saved us. We're no longer dead or objects of wrath, but by your mercy and your grace, give us a fresh view of that as we live our lives for you. And God, give us a view of being seated with Christ like we've never had before. Let it transform our church. Let it transform our city. God, we just lean into you today. Thank you, Lord, that there are miracles taking place already all over this place. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I'm gonna dismiss you as you go today, but if you are, if you are here and you wanna receive prayer this morning, um, Michael's gonna lead us, and we have our prayer team here. We'd love to just pray with you and lay hands on you. Don't rush off today if you could receive ministry and prayer before you go. God bless you as you go today. Whenever.